This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Halloween, Lori and Julia show, My Talk 1071, Everything Entertainment. Thank you so much for joining us. Julia uh, will return on uh, Monday. She's off on a little trip. So uh, Holly Roberts is filling in today. I was just looking at Facebook, Donnie, and it showed up, Julia and I, uh, seven years ago when she was a clown and I was Cy from Gangnam Style. Remember? I do. My... Yes. Bonus son got married that year, and mm-hmm. I learned how to do Gangnam Style. Let it at the wedding. 2012 was the year of Psy. That was the song yeah. of the year. Oh, Gangnam Style. It was everywhere. <laughs> it was. It was. It nuts. was everywhere. And I, yeah. the best, the best place. Uh, I remember Casey and I we were like just I don't know bar hopping on West Seventh, and um, one bar that I went into, the DJ immediately put on Gangnam Style, so I could dance my way in because I knew that whole dance. Yes, you we, and you demonstrated it for us several times. I am fascinated, Lori, by your obsession with Gangnam Style. That this was like a whole thing for you. Just because the <laughs> wedding, and I wanted to lead one wedding dance. I think it's really, I I really love a family wedding when everybody does the same few dances, and yes. I, that was like. I was like, don't worry, I got this. And then, oh my gosh, I saw the video and my spanks were flashing (laughs) right and left. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Okay, so the charming John Krasinski has been making the rounds because starting tomorrow, Jack Ryan comes back on Amazon. That is a great show. Jack uh, Ryan, you know, Tom Clancy novels yeah. and John Krasinski. And there's just been one season, but it was really, I think, I don't know if Julia watched it, but I know you and I watched it, Donnie. No, I did not oh, watch it. Oh, you didn't? Anymore. I thought I, that was no, a show you watched. No, didn't get around it's to that It's so one. good. It's just, you know, good spy thriller, you know, Mission impossible Anyway, here he is talking about uh, running because um, Seth Meyers showed before he came out this clip, and I think they're like in Paris running from rooftop to rooftop oh. and um the bad guy goes through glass john krasinski is jack ryan goes but he doesn't go all the way oh. through and he's hanging on a railing except my, like, ah. oh my god in action movies it strikes me that yeah. uh you got to be really good at uh running fast for super short distances yes yeah it and is that yeah. Was, i think you did a great job there. well thank you very much yeah you actually have to pump your arms faster yeah because the first movie I did that had action, I ran like I did, and it was it looked like Scooby Doo yeah. character. I was like, 
But it's important. And they were like, that's, that's not exciting at all. But that's the right way to run. If you do, if you Mission Impossible down the, you know. Right. Like, nobody wants to and see that. And thank you for saying Mission Impossible. We all learn from Tom. Like, yeah, well, We Tom, learn how to run from Tom. Tom is the greatest action runner of all time. For sure. Yeah, Tom. Yeah. And, uh, but this is, a, I mean, a, some of that, I'm assuming you did some of your own stunts, like that little did, slide, yeah. slide yeah. down I the roof. I did more of my own stunts than I should have. It was one of those okay. things where I was like, guys, I'm getting older, I don't want to do it. And the stunt guys were like, no problem. Maybe just give us one. And I was like, of course. And then like 17 later, I was like, guys, <laughs> guys. Because when he was running, I just immediately do think of Tom Cruise. Yeah. He just, he books yeah. it. Like that last Mission, Mission Impossible movie when he's running through, he's running through Paris. Paris. Yeah. 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 The arms. Yeah, the, the arms. arms. <laughs> okay, here he is talking about the hardest stunt he performed in the new season of Jack Ryan. What was the hardest uh, stunt you had to do for this? Was Jumping there... from building to building. No, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely. Um, <laughs> For this one, it wasn't actually a stunt. It was, um, it was a Blackhawk taking off, and we did this one take where I get on a Blackhawk, and then the Blackhawk takes off on the same take, which sounds super exciting, and it was, except for the pilot didn't care whether I got my seatbelt on or not. Oh. So I was like, oh, I'll see you back there. And then I was like, not yet, not yet. And, it, and he was just like, here we go. And I was like, nope, 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 nope. So in the trailer, when you see me like out the door, really looking confident, five seconds ago, I was not confident. I was terrified. Oh. I know. I, I just Scary. I love him. And here he is, just a cute little story. Because, of course, you can't talk to John Krasinski and not bring up his uh, darling wife, Emily Blunt. And so here we go. But I think my favorite part of the day was going back to my father-in-law. Because there's always a little part of us that, by the way, my father-in-law is the greatest human ever. That's very and, nice. Um, and he's got the greatest, thank you, yeah. <laughs> and he's got the greatest uh, accent. And he's so impassioned about everything. So he was like, What'd you get up to today, Johnny? And I was like, oh, you know, I was like running on some rooftops and then like a guy jumps into the Thames and he was like, really? That's absolutely wonderful. Good for you. That's fantastic. Fantastic. Was, and I was just like, thank you so much. Uh, Had I known that's all it took when I proposed to your daughter. That's the only reason I did it. Yeah, exactly. Everything else is a sham. And then, you know, Seth Meyers is like, who, who, like for what's going on for Halloween? He says, well... Who do you think is better at Halloween, Mary Poppins or Jack Ryan? Mm. <laughs> Mary Poppins, duck. She's duh, got the bag. That's right. She got her bag of tricks. Um, okay, so I think we've all watched the trailer for that Ford versus Ferrari. I think it's coming out Christmas Day with Matt Damon. Oh and no, it's Bear. earlier than that. Is it earlier? than Yeah, because I was going to go to Thanks. a screening with my son, but he's out of town. Oh, I think it's coming uh, up. Maybe it's things more like a November release. Yes. Okay, I thought it was a Christmas Day release for I some reason. I don't think so. But um, it's it out looks, November fifteenth. November fifteenth. Yeah, it looks really good. And true story. Based, yeah, true story. And GQ, they cover British GQ. They're on the cover. Exclusive. Um, Vroom, Born and Batman together at last, and the best racing movie you'll ever see. Ooh. And yeah, so they're on the cover, and they're doing the interview, and it's. I don't. I don't really know what the story is, but Matt Damon plays Carol Shelby, who's a car designer for Ford Motor Company, Christian Bale plays Ken Miles, an English car race car driver. So I guess if you're a race car or a car person, you know. Well, F Ferrari was the you know the king of uh, the you know the the race world, and to think that 
Ford, excuse me, Did, thought that they had a chance. Ferraris or something. Well, they wanted Ferrari to buy. They wanted to buy Ferrari, right? Yes. They wanted to buy him out. Yeah, but I don't think a lot of people know. No, this story. no, he, they just didn't take them seriously. They will kind of look down yeah. upon so Ford. So this is going please. to be a first for most people because I don't think a lot of people know mm-hmm. the story yeah, of Ford. Ver- I, I really don't. No, but Matt Damon's playing Carol Shelby, and Shelby that name is associated. With a car. With a car. Right. With, like, fast car racing stuff. Yeah. But <laughs> is it, it's not made anymore. And, I mean, they're just going to reach a whole new group of people with this, like, it's like that story about that Ron Howard did that didn't really do that well with the race car driver, the German guy. Oh, yes. And Chris Hemsworth yes, was, was in oh, it. Oh, that was so good. That was such a great movie. But again, that was like a race car story. Nick, Mickey or Nicky Lauda. Nicky Lauda. Was the German uh, He just guy. died. Yes. But that was a great race car. So people do like these kinds of movies because it's like a movie that a wide variety of people see. At least that's my hope. So these guys are talking about just chatting about the rush rush thank you Uh, so matt damon and christian bale are just chatting with the gq reporter about their careers that's what they're talking about how the industry has changed because they both have been acting for 20 years i guess at least well christian bale 30 at least yeah he was younger he was a child child star star. Mm -hmm. empire of the sun See that? He was the, the little boy. boy. The little God. boy in Empire of the Sun. There you That's go. A Spielberg we, movie. We, he, we always forget to say that he's yeah. a child actor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, uh, I guess Matt Damon was almost going to be in the fighter when the Christian Bale ended up being in with hmm. Amy Adams. Yeah. Yes. Pretty good. Pretty good. But he said uh, Mark Wahlberg really wanted to do it. But we all knew the script wasn't there. Then David O. Russell came in, rewrote the script, and got Christian Bale to do it, and that was it, and it was awesome. Then he talks about this, and I just wonder if you think that this is weirdly braggy hmm. of Matt Damon, who does sometimes have trouble articulating himself when it comes to a lot of interviews. He yeah. says a lot of... He had an issue a couple of years ago in the way he was articulating himself. I do recall. Yes, uh-huh. and talking about Me Too. Yep. And, I mean, he was just exhausting and problematic and all <laughs> of that. Yes. So, anyway, this is the interview where we'd heard a couple weeks ago that he, in an interview that was coming out, that he had turned down James Cameron's uh, avatar. Yeah, yeah, and he said he regretted it because he lost out on a ton of money. Yeah, he said, I told John Krasinski this story when we were writing Promised Land. We're writing this movie about fracking. He and Krasinski were writing in the kitchen. We're on a break. I tell him the story, and he goes, what? And then he just starts pacing in the kitchen. He goes, okay, okay, okay. And then he, Krasinski says to me, Matt Damon, if you'd done that movie, nothing in your life would be different. Nothing in your life would be different at all, except that right now we would be having this conversation I don't know, in space or on some <laughs> island. So, yeah, Matt Damon says, I've left more money on the table than any other actor, actually. That's a humble brag. Yeah. That's a total humble, humble brag. It's all right. Yeah, a yeah. little self-deprecating in as much as it's like, oh, I like missed out on this opportunity here. I left it, but 
Yeah, the only thing, John Krasinski, I can't quite see him saying that we would be having this conversation in outer space. Well, he would just be like, you would have so much, much money, money that yeah. we, you would have been able to build a space station for yourself and we would have been making this movie on got Mars. It, got yeah. it. So, yeah. Well, but I didn't know. know that he and John Krasinski were doing a movie together, I, The Promised Land. I didn't Land. know that either. That, did that movie come out a couple of years ago? Oh, I want to say it, it. Yeah, I want to <laughs> say Okay. Not a big interest. In. Uh, I want to say ooh. that movie came and went. Yeah, it came out in uh, 2012. Oh, okay. So way that. back in, I it was a below. That. It was Matt Damon and John Krasinski and Francis McDormand. It was a Gus Van Sant movie. It was pretty Seems small. Like it been good. I think I've watched part of it, and it was okay. It was just. Okay. It was just okay. Well, yeah. So there's a reason why we don't really remember it. Yeah, it's kind of like that Jessica Lange movie with Sam Shepard that was called Country, and it was about when the farms, all these farms, were getting foreclosed. Yes, I remember that one. Out, like in the. But it like it did, just didn't have a powerful enough. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, Christian Bale says, oh, "My gosh, we're sitting here grumping around like Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. We're grumpy old men. We can't do it anymore." And they're talking about, well, Christian Bale. Who changes his body more for a movie than Christian Bale? Gains what? fifty pounds, loses thirty. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's true. emaciated. Yeah. yeah. He's put his body. He's very method. He, he and Daniel Day Lewis have really been the shapeshifters. Well, I hope Christian Bale can have a sandwich and, oh, and be right. be gentle and nice. All right, listen, <laughs> when we come back, we have the Dirt Alert. This is a My Talk Dirt Alert. All right, Holly, what, oh. what dirt haven't we covered today? I think there's a lot. Oh, yeah. keep dipping in and out of Halloween. That's right. So uh, one thing that you wanted to get to today, Lori, we'll talk about it. It's this op-ed written by Academy Award-winning screenwriter Aaron Sorkin in the New York Times going after Mark Zuckerberg for his justification of his Facebook policy saying that, yes, we are going to be having political ads on Facebook. Aaron Sorkin, who won his screenwriting Oscar, by the way, for writing The Social Network, the movie, the story story of Facebook and Mark Zuckerberg is not here for any of that. His message to Mark Zuckerberg is essentially that you are wrong. Sorkin says that Facebook's decision to keep running ads for political campaigns is spreading out right lies which have a, quote, dangerous effect on our elections. So Aaron Sorkin, not here for this at all. This coming on the heels of Facebook's competitor, Twitter, saying they're going to ban all political ads. Well, I mean, I, I Mark Zuckerberg must be, he, twist, he has to be twisting himself into a pretzel to try and justify political ads as free speech. Mm-hmm. You know, um, he is and like, there's a big, there's an ad on, there's a, 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 a he I, does, doesn't, um, Sorkin cite in the letter of, of an ad that's currently running on Facebook right now, which is a hundred percent, uh, a lie. Yeah. So he cites one of these ads and Aaron Sorkin claims of this ad, every square inch of that is a lie and it's under your logo. That's not defending free spree- speech, Mark. That's a Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, 
Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Bolting truth. Now, Mark Zuckerberg has what we like to call in the business clapped back at Aaron Sorkin using Aaron Sorkin's own words. What do you say? Part of a speech from the American president, that movie, where in part of that speech, it says America isn't easy. America is advanced citizenship. And he goes on to say that uh, by protesting, you can stand up and sing about the land of the free. So that is a speech delivered by Michael Douglas, the president of the United States in the oh, film, The American President, back in 1995. Much, uh, I know, because uh, that's <laughs> not much of a clapback, no. because uh, Aaron Sorkin finished if I his letter with, if I'd known you felt that way, I'd have had the Winklevoss twins invent Facebook at the end of the social network. <laughs> burn oh yeah so there's a lot of fighting in silicon valley today well i do think zuckerberg assaults the truth with trying to hide under free speech when we know how much the how much russian money they took on all these fake dummied up ad and people don't know the difference between clickbait and sponsored ads and they make it look like it's a news source and it's not i mean just don't take the money facebook haven't you made enough money yeah well Twitter isn't taking it i would like to think that you know our radio station our television station like if an ad was so you know, graphic, you know, if it was something on television, you'd say, we're not going to run that. I mean, you know, you can, you do have yeah, the right yes, to say no. You have no. the right to refuse and say, we are not, no, we're not yeah, going to Yeah, you don't commercial. have to. I yeah. don't know. Well, it's an interesting evolution of social media in yeah. as much as like, how are we regulating social media? What are the rules of the game of social media? How do we educate people on being social media literate and understanding the things that they're seeing? And, yeah. and how do we create a language around that? And this is, we are living in the evolution, yeah. the active real time. How do we have these discussions as, as a public at large? And, and <sighs> how are we going to deal with all of that? It's a lot of questions, and I don't really have a lot of the answers right now because it's just a dirt alert update. Well, I like <laughs> that Aaron Sorkin is dragging Mark Zuckerberg for allowing all these lying things on Facebook that just make him millions of dollars and is just causing chaos for the rest of us Americans. And on that note, let's move back to the world of celebrity gossip, where page six, (laughs) let's take 180, a uh, 180 to Danica Patrick and Aaron Rodgers. Page six is reporting uh, that those two are dating. Uh, His girlfriend, Danica Patrick, Aaron Rodgers, says uh, that she is trying to bring the family back together. The Rodgers family that has been famously feuding for years. We saw all of this play out on the season of The Bachelor that featured Aaron Aaron Rodgers' brother, Jordan, and that source saying that it's really happening. The family is coming back together with the help of Danica, who is bridging the gap between everyone. Did you watch The Bachelor on season 12 mm-hmm. when Jordan was competing yes, with all the family a, drama? He was such a dink. He was gorgeous. <laughs> he was great to look at, but he was like so clearly the chip on his shoulder, younger brother who was always in the shadow of his oh, superstar yeah. brother. Yeah. And his jealousy was almost turning him a tinge of green. Sure. And it seems like the thread that Jordan has taken with his brother Aaron is one of 
Aaron abandoning the family after becoming rich last year. So this time last year, Aaron and Jordan uh, were uh, in a social media fight when Jordan called out Aaron for pledging to donate a million dollars towards the recovery efforts of California wildfires. He said, please donate, spread awareness and send love. But when your own mom is home alone during the fires, car packed and ready to evacuate and you miss the fundamental first step of compassion, calling your parents to make sure they are safe. Everything else just feels like an act. So said Jordan last year on Twitter. Kind of dragging Aaron out there. Aaron, the family laundry on social media. And also the fact that a year ago that there were big bad these bad fires too in california mm-hmm. that's right the malibu the fires. malibu fire the yeah. Woolsey fires yeah. yes because we saw that on the real housewives of beverly hills and then in this week's episode of the affair noah and um i forget what his wife's character's name is they have to make an escape off their they have to leave their car on a mountain pass to flee the encroaching fires mm. like they put that in that whole storyline yeah, I'm very scared. Does anyone watch that show, The Affair, besides me? I think on, you might be the only uh, one on Showtime. It's yep. really, it's been, it's been, it's been a delightful yeah. show to watch. Uh, Olivia Newton-John's Grease outfit is up for auction this weekend. That would be the Bad Sandy outfit featured I at the end of the film. I saw this on the Today Show. It's expected to fetch two hundred sixty thousand dollars at least. I bet it goes for more. I think so, too. The executive director of Julian's Auctions says that Olivia wore the items a couple of weeks ago. They still fit her. Entertainment Tonight followed her, and they were at Julian's, and she, the jacket fit. I mean, like, she's... She can wear all that stuff. And by the way, a portion of the proceeds will go to benefit Olivia Newton-John's Cancer Research Center in Australia. So go forth, buy your memorabilia, and know that you're helping a good cause. I I hope that the Hollywood Museum people have some money to buy a couple of things. I mean, To add to the the Academy's motion picture. If the Academy is smart, they will buy this outfit. Yeah, buy buy that. Buy this Sandy outfit. Yeah. Do it. Do it, do it, do it. All right, listen, we come back. We have theories, and they might... Happy Halloween, my talkers. It's the Gory and Ghoulia Show. With producer Danny. Come play with us, Danny. Feeling in for the departed Ghoulia, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. On My Talk 1071. Tell him your theory, Lauren. Oh my gosh. Well, this is really a theory that I know is universally shared, known. The horror. A third of parents steal a third of their kids' Halloween candy on the regular. Probably more. Probably. (laughs) Um, This is a survey of 2000. Parents with kids between the ages of three to fifteen, two thirds said, "Yep, stolen candy." Um, it's not one or two pieces. The average respondent ate a full third of their kids' candy haul, and sixty percent of parents say, "Yep, I hide Halloween candy from the kids." And the explanation that uh, most parents give is, is that they hide it and they hope the kids don't notice. And then if they notice, then the parents pretend the candy magically went missing all by itself. Or maybe you ate it. Where did it go? And 41% of parents tell their kids they had to take some in order to inspect it for safety. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Excuse me. This is the candy inspector here. We uh, just have quality control. Honey. Uh, 37% say the candy explanation of why the candy is missing. The, that candy went bad. It was no good anymore. <laughs> it expired. And then there's the parent that just does sneak four or five pieces a day and they take it. Away that That's way. too much. Four to five pieces a day. Look, when you're really? growing up, isn't there always the candy that you didn't like yes, when you were trick or treating? We would dump our our sleep our pillowcase. Yeah, my mom. If there was a mounds or an almond joy yes. or a bit of honey, she would take it go off to the parts of the side (laughs) because almond joys and mouths Mouths are not good for kids mouths no you have to have a sophisticated palate because that's exactly what my dad would do he would come in and we'd be like dad Take the almond joy, joy. in the mounds. Get them out of here. Yeah, yeah. That's so gross. But now Works those are me. my favorite candies. Yeah. Me too. I have crossed the yes. threshold into adulthood. <laughs> um, the most popular places parents hide the stolen candy include their bedroom, behind the food and kitchen cabinets, on top of the fridge, also their car, and also taking it to work. Uh, Jimmy Kimmel will be doing his eighth year of videos of kids being told, I ate all your candy. He showed a little clip from one a couple years ago, and they're in the car, and the mom says to him, you know, uh, Henry, I ate all your candy. No! Why did you do that? And, and I don't like you. Get out of the car right now. You're going to need to get a job. And the kid was like four. They are funny yes, and he must yeah, get a lot. And so anyway, um, besides investigating candy theft, the survey also asked parents about like how do they enforce or do they enforce how much candy you get to eat? Like oh. my mom and dad didn't. We could bring our our pillowcase. We put it under our bed. Totally. Really? Yep. Yeah. Oh, we didn't have really. any. No, we weren't that liberal. No, no rules no with the rules. candy. We could eat as much as we wanted until we were sick of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that strategy. But mm-hmm. um, the majority of parents just say you can have, they give an amount. That's 68%. Um, and... Um, the parents also admit to if they know they're going to hand out Halloween candy, buying the candy they want to eat in case they have leftover candy. Well, yeah, of oh, course you don't. Always. You don't want to buy the dumb <laughs> the bottle dumb caps, yeah. no. root beer flavored candy corn, circus peanuts. Oh gosh, like you gotta just let them sit <laughs> yeah. out, become hard, and then pelt them at people. The average amount <laughs> that people allow their kids to eat on Halloween is twelve pieces of candy. Well, that's a lot. Are people counting? Well, they're just saying about a dozen. They can eat about a dozen because most people aren't getting full size candy bars. Yeah. If you're going to a neighborhood of full size candy bar, then you might get, you can have one tonight. Yeah. Quote unquote fun. Fun. Okay. Here's another uh, little Halloween related uh, theory. We always, I mean, we talk about it. I don't know when the next full moon is happening. I know Mercury in retrograde is, is like just about on us. Scorpios are going to have a hell of a time and, Capricorns and uh, damn old Gemini's always get it. Today is the first day. Is it today? It is a full moon. Uh, today? Oh no, the next full moon is on November 12th. No, but Mercury retrograde oh, starts that, happening. Yes. That's happened, that starts okay. today. Starts November today. 12th is the next full moon. Okay, so we always say when they're for full, you know, all the wackadoos are going to be out, the firefighters, the EMTs, the nurses, the f- police officers, they all know 
during a full moon, things are happening. Well, according to this spooky study that was done, uh, it's at New York University. They collaborated with the Vey, uh, Viejo, California Police Department. Yep. Viejo? Yeah. Viejo? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To determine if crime really does increase Ooh. during a full moon. They found no significant uptick in reported crimes or arrests during nights when the moon is full. I say um, that one town and one university is not of enough enough of a study. <laughs> Bigger okay? sample, but they did look at crime data for four years. They determined the phases of the moon. They did do their work, and they looked at every single criminal event that happened. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and they passed it all along to NYU, but they did not find anything. So now they are doing research with an Ontario police force in Canada and one in Mexico to see... So the, the study lunar, is growing. The theory is going. They say this that it's kind of fun, but I think... I think that anybody who works with the public in a full moon would tell you that their theory that more cuckoo for Cocoa Puff stuff happens during the full moon is very real. I mean, you know. Just like that. <laughs> it's like that, yeah. <laughs> and if you ever waitress or bar- bartender or waiter or something, you go, what, is there a full moon tonight? Oh, yeah, there is. Oh, okay, because, man, I'm having the kooky people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen to them, my children of the night. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I to no, I like that, Donnie. <laughs> I really like it. I was says so- that in the movie. Ah, yes, because oh <laughs> some studies have had found evidence of a lunar increase in crime and overall negative behavior during a full moon. So there have been other ones where they've been able to do it. I just say that any, I mean, I would ask Casey that if it, when it, when he was a f- active firefighter, if it was a full moon and then he'd come home after his 24 hours and I'd be like, how full moon was it? And he'd be like, oh my, oh. you know. So you got all the evidence right there. Well, that <laughs> is why I always, be- that theory, I always believed it because, just he would be like, oh yeah, that's a real thing, totally. Okay, but none none of us. But just a theory. We don't have theory. any we hard have concrete any real, real. facts. Okay, and the last theory. We're gonna just end it on this. Do you have people in your life who you're always waiting on because they're always late and it makes you really annoyed? Uh, yes. Well, yes. <laughs> okay. According to Harvard Medical School, people who are always running late tend to be happy. Er. And healthier than the rest of us. That and makes they sense. live longer, too. No, well, I'm getting Why? stressed out. Ah. What's your theory? Why is being late so mentally healthy? Healthy? Because they don't care. It, you're calm, and it's not bothering you that you're running late, no, so you're no. adding years to your life by down. being calm. Here's a riddle for you to solve. Who it takes longer to get out of the house in the morning, a two-year-old in a snowsuit or my boyfriend? Uh, your boyfriend? Your boyfriend? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good <laughs> so he's not in town, so he can't. If you're annoyed oh, okay. at someone who they're always late, you can be annoyed at them even more because they're they're happier, healthy, and they're going to live longer than you. So let's all get bitter about it. <laughs> all right, listen. We'll be right back. Uh, I think we're gonna. We have to sing today. We always have to sing the monster match. Yeah, I sent you the lyrics. I emailed each of you the lyrics. Perfect. So we'll be singing that. We've got a few more things to say. My top one oh seven one.
everything. If you look in the mirror and you say his name five times, he'll appear behind you, breathing down your neck. Entertainment. Happy Halloween, my talkers. It's the Gory and Ghoulia Show. With producer Danny. Come play with us, Danny. Feeling in for the departed Ghoulia, the legend of Sleepy Hollow. to you about that. She's just she's just not even acknowledging. I'm just listening. I'm just listening. All right. Uh, I gotta say after watching Kim Kardashian in her Elle Woods Harvard video, we can never ever say that she doesn't have talent because that video is good. It is good. It is so good. It's fun. It's funny. It is funny. Of course, she is the best people to produce it and it was written, but I mean, I'm telling you, it's gold. It's really gold. Bend and Here. snap. Hi, I'm Elle Woods, and for my admissions essay, I'm going to tell all of you at Harvard why I'm going to be an amazing lawyer. As president of my sorority, I'm skilled at commanding the attention of a room and discussing very important issues. It has come to my attention that the maintenance staff is switching our toilet paper from Charmin to generic. All those opposed to escaping, say aye. I'm able to recall hundreds of important details at the drop of a hat. Hey, Elle, do you know what happened on days and all that? It's so good. She's, that is very clever. I have it, to it, kudos it, to the Kardashian Jenners who have done a good job with Halloween. Oh, do they ever? Kylie's has at least three outfits. I was all about that little true dressed up as an Oompa Loompa at the candy store. Oh, that was so cute. Chloe's daughter. Chloe's daughter. Anyway, uh, what else is going on? Okay, I want this is kind of an interesting uh, story. Casey's like, he goes, you know, you guys might want to talk about this on your program. Today. Oh, like, okay. thanks, thanks for producing, Casey. Casey. <laughs> so he uh, subscribes to the Washington Post. And it was the frightening history of Halloween haunted houses and what it has to do with modern day Halloween. Hmm. So this is from a book called Trick or Treat, A History of Halloween. Lisa Morton did the interviews and she said, for some reason, um, the Halloween tradition of pranking in the United States was like huge in the 20s and 30s. Teenage boys basically took over the pranking tradition and they broke streetlights, they started fires, they tied wires across sidewalks to trip people. Um, People were getting hurt and they were costing cities millions of dollars even in the early 30s. Wow. And so there were all these cities that were considering banning Halloween because it was just a prank holiday and the pranks were stunts that were getting dangerous and hurting people in public property. So parents and civil groups were looking for a solution, a distraction, or a bribe. And from this area of parental panic, they pulled out an idea that 
to this day is what defines American Halloween. They thought, let's throw the kids a party. But because it was the Great Depression, people didn't have money. So they had house to house parties and the entire block would participate. First house, you might get a sheet. The second house, you might get some candy and so on and so on and so on. And that is where the trick or treating going house to house comes from. Mm -hmm. And one of the most common things is people think it goes, it's like some old, old thing that goes back. hundreds of years. No, no. it, it came because they needed a solution. And also the other thing that came about was that they would do it, some of these going house to house things, is they would have something scary in a house for all the kids to experience in the house, which of course became haunted houses. Mm -hmm. And they would take kids, like everybody had a basement or a root cellar, and they would take them downstairs and it would be really dark and they would say, oh, your hand, they would do the eyeballs and they would even have a 1937 party pamphlet that Morton Salt put out. Um, hang old fur is how to do it. Hang old fur, strips of raw liver on the walls, Ooh. weird moans and howls, uh, howls, get damp sponges and hang hair nets from the ceiling. Um, and they gave all these little ideas for how to do it. Ooh. So pretty soon, uh, the group known as the Junior Chamber, which became the JCs, yeah. got in the action, started doing the Trails of Terror. Oh. And they kind of think that the mm. first uh, big, so basically within just a few couple of generations, you know, it's the pranking ended. Well, yeah, that's right. the whole trick part. Like, hey, give us a treat if you don't want us trick. to uh, a trick, which mm-hmm. is basically just vandalism. It's not vandalism. a trick. It's just being a mm-hmm. jerk. And 1969, <laughs> Disney opened their haunted mansion. That's how long that. that's been around. That's oh, great. Yeah. And I mean, dark ride attractions have always made been at carnivals and amusement park, but the haunted mansion that Disney put up inspired local people to kick up their Halloween related haunted houses. And one of the first ones was 1971 um, Blood Manor in St. Mary's County, where a guy just decided to do a big house and call it blood manor call it blood no. manor and now there's all you know zombie strip malls abandoned pri- i mean it's oh, a huge yeah. it's huge a massive industry now hell houses and yeah. you know i mean there's hell this houses, haunted trap houses there's <laughs> yeah. one in washington dc where it's a 40 page waiver that you have to sign oh, good Lord. and you're basically <laughs> tortured like you know oh. when i said yesterday you know, leave your dignity at the yeah, door and yeah, bend over so. with your eyes closed because who knows what's going to happen. Oh, <laughs> consult your attorney before you yeah, I know. find anything like that. So scaring people, young and old. There we go. It's good business. Here, Here we, we go. go, people. I was walking in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight for my monster from the slab began to rise and suddenly... To my surprise, he did the mash. He did the monster mash. The monster mash. It was a graveyard smash. He did the mash. It caught on in a flash. He did the mash. He did the monster mash. From my laboratory in the castle east to the master bedroom where the vampires feast, the ghouls all came from their humble abodes to get a jolt from my electrode. They did the mash. They did the monster mash. The monster mash. 